0: listening, if you're listening to this right now, you are the leading edge of the creator economy. You're building something right now that generations will follow. You're leaving these little breadcrumbs for people to follow. And if you think about it like that, it's exciting. It's fun. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah.
1: Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. I want to personally thank you for tuning in and supporting our show. If you haven't yet, hit that follow or subscribe button. I encourage you don't keep this to yourself. Share these inspiring stories with your friends. Invite them to subscribe and connect with us on social media. So today I have a wonderful guest, George. George, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Uh, my name is George Monty. I am
0: the owner and founder of the True Life Podcast. I am coming up on almost 50 years old, so there is uh, there's some truth to the idea that you can teach old dogs new tricks. Um, yeah, I've, I uh, started off as a UPS driver, 26 years, and I migrated into the world of media, and it's been a wild ride, man.
1: Wow, that's cool, man. And we got to really dive into that. So if you could create a blueprint of your success to pass on to someone else without a college degree, what would it look like? What should you do? What should you not do?
0: Well, first off, I would say that if you don't have a college degree, I think that you probably make the best entrepreneurs out there. I want people to think for a moment about the idea of what it takes to go to school. And I'm not knocking people to go to school. School is an awesome thing, it's a great thing, especially if you have the resources to do it. A lot of people don't have those resources. So some things that do happen in school is you sit down in front of a uh, authoritative figure and you do it for 12 years. If you go to college, you may do it for 15, you may do it for 20 years. And on some level, you're being conditioned to be an obedient worker. And I think the people without a degree actually have a sort of superpower here because you haven't been conditioned for that long. So for a blueprint for success for people without a degree, I think that you have to harness what your superpower is. And everybody has one, whether it's seeing the best in people, whether it's never quitting, whether it's believing in yourself, whatever it is, I guarantee you, you listening to this right now, you have a superpower. And if you really harness it and you believe in it, When no one else will, that power will help you succeed in places where no one else will succeed. So the blueprint is to have the courage to believe in yourself, regardless of how tough times get, regardless of what other people say, believe in yourself, follow what you know you have to do, and the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. But you must believe wholeheartedly in yourself. That's the blueprint, it's follow your courage, follow your heart.
1: I love that, I love, that so what's the salary range for someone who did what you did
0: okay here's here's where it's dangerous and it's scary but it's also incredibly liberating i worked for a corporation i worked in in the corporate for 26 years i walked away from a job making 100 grand i took a second on my house and for six months i made zero dollars And it's really frightening, especially if you have a family, if you have a wife, if you have a kid, there's going to be incredible strain on your relationships. And the truth is you could fail. It's very possible. But if you, again, if you harness that superpower, if you have the courage to believe and you walk the walk, you don't just talk it, you walk it, you believe it wholeheartedly, things will begin to unfold in front of you. And what I mean by that is I took a second on my house. I watched money flying out of the bank at a, you know, 11 grand a month that I didn't have, slowly losing my house, relationships beginning to crumble somewhat. There's a lot of strain that happens if you're going to be an entrepreneur. There's a lot of strain. And then all of a sudden I began to get some clients. I began to see the podcast move in ways I never thought possible. There's some days where I make a thousand dollars a day. There's some days where I make zero dollars a day, but the amount of days will add up to a point where you can get back to the level that you were. And you'll begin to see your dream unfold in front of you. For example, when I started off as a podcast, I thought, okay, what is this thing podcast? What kind of a vehicle is this podcast? And I thought, like most people, oh, well, one day I'll get ads. One day I'll get ad revenue and that will help me sustain this life that I want to. Because I didn't know, I've never done it before. But the truth is the podcast vehicle is fundamentally changing the media model. So it's a product, it's a service, it's a way for you to put your own ads in there. And it's an incredible vehicle for branding. And there's so many avenues that I think is just beginning to form around it. So, and it doesn't have to be podcasting for people that have no degree Whatever your goal is, whatever your idea is, just follow it. And the things will begin to unfold around it. So I think you can look upwards and see $1,000 a day. You'll have good days. You'll have bad days. But you will be able to replace your income if you stick to the plan.
1: No, I love that. You know, the interesting thing is, like listening to myself, because I had like 15 months of not making money from the business. And it's tough. And it's going to impact those things around you. You'll have friends saying, hey, are you sure this is right? You're leaving this on the table. Can't you see the writing on the wall? And you have to be that entrepreneur who's like, no, I know what I'm doing. I know how it's going to come together. And, you know, it's the tough part because we've also seen people who did not see the writing on the wall, right, that maybe it's time to give up. So it's such a tough balance and you have to really know how you're going to make it work and you have to make sure that you're making progress and that you're becoming closer. And it's one of those things that as an entrepreneur, you have to have that hope that every day you're closer. And I, I I, have those days where, hey, I'm making a thousand. I'm making more than a thousand. And the other days it's like, look, I'm not making anything this day, but I'm building towards something. Now, let's go back. How was high school like for you? And what did you want to be in high school? You know, I was a, uh, I was a wrestler in high school. and uh, I wrestled in high school too. I'm an assistant I, wrestling
0: coach. Ah, You know, so many of us, so many of us found our way like wrestling is a great way for you to learn how to communicate. Yeah. Like you're physically communicating, you're struggling, you're wrestling, you're getting stuck. Sometimes you're sticking people it's kind of a metaphor for life. Cause sometimes you get stuck in this entrepreneurial game and you're like, I can't get out of this yeah. thing. You know, and, other, and sometimes you figure out how to reverse it and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I uh, in high school, I wrestled for a long time and I, I was kind of, um, a dreamer you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I, I I took the secure route for a long time. And I never quit dreaming. I always had ideas. I always had something going on the side, like a little side hustle. It never quite emerged into what I wanted it to do. But uh, I think it was necessary. All these things you do along the way, all these little side hustles, all these little dreams you have, whether they make it or not, are in fact the building blocks for the foundation of of your next jump off point when you when you finally hit that mark when you finally make that move when you finally decide okay this time I'm going to go for it all those little instances all those little experiences are the foundation which made you who you are today so high school for me I think was a was the beginning jump off point you know it was the the beginning of understanding what I'm capable of and who I am
1: i find a lot of entrepreneurs do youth sports and what i tell people is Sports is one of the best ways to learn how to fail because in other environments, you're not encouraged to fail and fail. Like in school, you get a bad grade, you fail terrible, you go fat, all these other things. Whereas in sports, fact is 99.9% of people are going to fail unless you're the person that wins first every time. And even then they had a journey to get to that, right? Unless you're like a Wayne Gretzky from the time you're young, you're just crushing it. The reality is you're going to lose, you're going to fail, you're going to have things not go your way, you're going to get hurt, you're going to have to perform when you're under the weather, and the ref's not going to be like, oh, you know what, I'm going to give you some extra slack because you're a little tired or you're hurt, it's, hey, here are the rules, here's how it's going to go, here's how you win, and then sometimes you'll even get screwed because, hey, the ref isn't fair to you and all that, so it's like, it's tough, and it teaches you a lot. So you were a dreamer. Now, what came next after high school? Well, after high school, I, uh, I moved
0: to Mexico for about six months at a surf camp down there and just kind of, oh, it was, it was beautiful. I went down and, uh, I had I learned a little bit of Spanish in high school, but I moved to, uh, about three hours south of Ensenada, which is Baja, California. And I just surfed down there. I taught people how to surf. And when I came back to reality after that, you know, I was about, 19, I got a job at UPS. And I started inside the building and worked there for a while. About five years into there, I put my name on a transfer list for Hawaii. You know, a lot of the older drivers were putting their name on a transfer list. And like, most young men do. They find older men as mentors, and they kind of copy them. And so, a lot of the older drivers were putting their name on a transfer list. And you know, I just followed suit. And about six months go by, and all of a sudden, I get a I get a message from my boss. It's like, Hey, George, uh, I got to see you in the office. And so, I go into the office, and you know, I thought I was in trouble, but he shows me this piece of paper. He's like, Hey, George, you know, your transfer for Hawaii's up. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot I did that. And he says, you know, don't worry. It's just a formality. Most people will never go. It's, it's, it's kind of a lot. So I just wanted to let you know and you can get back to work. And I'm like, oh no, no, I'm going to go. And my boss, was, I'll never forget the look on his face because he's like, what? What do you mean? I'm like, you know, I'm going to go to Hawaii. And He's like, George, do you know anybody out there? I go, no. Nope.
1: He goes, you ever been? I'm like, nope. Hey, are you frustrated with your job search? Are you sending out resume after resume with no callbacks? If so, I have some good news. After three years, of helping over 400 people land jobs at places like Meta, HubSpot, Google, Twitter, Amazon, Tesla, Disney, Sony. Just to name a few, I created a course. In the Get Your Dream Career course, you'll discover best practices for creating a resume that stands out and you'll also learn how to optimize your job search. It covers every aspect of the job, including resumes, application strategy, networking, LinkedIn profile optimization, interview guidance, and salary negotiation. You will also get a behind-the-scenes view of how recruiters use LinkedIn to find candidates. And of course, you'll get resume and cover letter templates. Get one step closer to your dream job. Sign up at the link in the notes below.
0: He's like, man, listen, if you sign this piece of paper, you got to leave in two weeks. What do you gonna do with all your stuff? I'm oh to sell it. And so I did. I signed that piece of paper. I went and talked to my parents. I said, look, I'm moving to Hawaii. And I was so excited that I, I... I I got rid of all my stuff, man, and I condensed my life into two black bags and $2,000 after selling everything, you know? And I got on a plane, And of course I did no research, you know, I was a young knucklehead and I just, yeah, I'm going to Hawaii, man. I got a job. It's going to be awesome. And I was so excited on the plane and high-fiving people. And when I got to Hawaii, I landed on the plane and I sat in the airport and I almost started crying because I realized the magnitude of what I had done with my life. No one knows where I am. I don't have a place to live. I don't have a car. I have a job, but I don't even know how to get there. I don't even know this place. Where am I going to stay at? And so I just sat in that airport and like part of me died that day, you know, and, and, Sort of like when you're wrestling and you get you get wrecked by somebody. Yeah. You know, you just have to sit there for a minute and be like, okay, what did I just do? How did that happen? But I did. I sucked it up. I went and I found a, a small place off the beaten path and sixty bucks a night. Stayed there for a few days. I went on Craigslist, found a room to rent, uh rented it, bought a moped, figured out how to get to work. You know, a few years in, I meet my I meet my wife, fast forward, you know. 15 years, I bought a couple houses, had a few kids, started a podcast. But I want, it, it wasn't, I'm, I'm giving you the fast yeah. version here. There was a lot of difficult times, but I want people listening to this to understand those difficult times are what shape you. And I promise you, everyone listening to this, if you're willing to take a chance, the world will reward you. It will not be easy. You will find yourself with your head and your hands on your knees, sometimes it tears. But that is when you find out who you are. I promise you take the chance, the world will reward you. Do it smart, do it right, but take the chance. You get one shot at life and you're a beautiful, incredible human being and the
1: world will open up for you if you take that chance. So let's, let's go back, let's go into the details. So okay. how was that first month? Yeah. So you made big progress, right? You got a room, you got a moped. How did you navigate that first month? It's hard. Okay.
0: I, I come from, I was born in San Diego, which was like Caucasian acres, man. Yeah. Like, I was, I was like a monoculture. I'm like I'm the white guy over here. You know what I mean? So when I moved to Hawaii, I'm surrounded by all like this melting pot of different cultures. There's different, you know, there's a, there's a Korean influence and a Japanese influence and a Laotian influence and a Hawaiian influence. And there's, there's this different alphabet. The Hawaiian alphabet has like 13 letters. So there's a lot of vowels. You know, you have like humu, humu, nuku, nuku and like, you know, all these different ways in which to speak and understand and see the world. So it was overwhelming for me. It was almost like a psychedelic experience. Like I'm beginning to see the world in sort of like a kaleidoscope. There's new colors and new and new people and new cultures and stuff. And I found myself renting a room from two younger Korean kids. And they had like a, uh, they're super cool kids. They were, I call them kids because they were probably 10, 12 years younger than me. And they had like a, sort of a gambling house. You know, they played tons of poker and like, I'm like, what is going on here? This is pretty interesting. And so I learned so much from those guys. And I stayed there in this room for, I probably lived there for a few years. It was mesmerizing to me. You know, they, I had a moped and we would go out and like race mopeds. And it was a whole, it was so awesome, man. And I got to learn so much just by starting at the very bottom. You know, when I was in, when I was in San Diego, I was doing okay. I was making some money. I had a nice little place by the water, a little, little rowboat fishing boat, nice car. And I gave all of it up. And which is tough to do because you give up your identity. So much of this is good for people who are maybe find themselves in the workplace or beginning to to build something for themselves or think they're beginning to build wealth. So much of what you have, you think is your identity. Oh, I have a Lincoln Navigator. Oh, I have a cool job. Oh, I have this. But really, those are just labels. Those are just things you're acquiring. What you really have is what your personality is. What you really have is who you are. And you really figure that out when you give away those things and you start at the bottom because you get to make new connections. You get to build a new foundation. And so that first month for me was me really discovering what I like about myself and what I don't like about myself. When I first moved to Hawaii, a lot of the people were like, wow, George, you're pretty, you're kind of arrogant, man. And I'm like, I am? You know, and I found that being being where I came from in San Diego, I would always talk about what I had. Oh yeah, I got this cool car. Oh yeah, I know this one guy. And I didn't realize it. I didn't realize the way I was using language to describe myself. But when I came to Hawaii, I got a big dose of what they call humble pie because people looked at me like I don't even want to talk to you, man. Like you're just running your mouth about all these things. And it took a few months for like that was a tough lesson to sink in. But I really noticed it when I would call back home and talk to my friends because they were still in that same mindset. And when I got on the phone with my friends after 6 months or a year, the conversation was, "Oh, George, dude, I got this new car. Oh, George, I have this new thing. Oh, George, I have this. And I go, that's exactly how I sounded. And I don't like it. So that first month, that first year, that first two years, that cultural shift really showed me what I was lacking. And it's it's one of those things that stares you right in the face and is like, change this about you and you'll be better. You know, change is, change is difficult, but it's good for all of us. If you're willing to accept the change and you're willing to be honest with yourself, that's a hard one. But if you're willing to be honest with yourself, you can make big strides and, and really become a better person and a more authentic person. But thanks for asking that question.
1: Yeah. So you went through this change in terms of mindset, in terms of what you value. So once you made a lot of that change, because I know things like that just take a while, right? You catch yourself. Yes. How much more rewarding was Hawaii and how much more rewarding were the relationships that you formed there?
0: I think the key word there is relationships. And I think what this change taught me was that the way I relate to myself is the way I relate to other people. And so that lesson taught me how to have a deeper, more rewarding, and rich relationship with myself. In some ways, it allowed me to become a person that other people could really love. And I kind of found out I didn't really love myself. I was filling myself with all these material things. And I thought that success was you know, making a couple hundred thousand dollars. I thought I had to have this car and I had to have this job so that I could get this type of girl so that I could have this kind of family. And I realized that was all BS, man. That was all belief systems. You know, it was like, you have to have a a real understanding of relationships. How do you relate to yourself? Because that's how you're going to relate to other people. And ultimately, relationships are the best form of currency because that's all you have. You know relationships are the way in which people see you relationships are the way you relate to the world and relationships are a reflection of who you are so those changes took a long time and they allowed me to have a much more detailed rewarding and beautiful relationship with with myself and ultimately my wife and I think my kids now and I, that's part of my message like I want people to have a better relationship and relate better to the world because I, th- I think they can have a better experience.
1: So let's go back to work. So now you're moving up in work in a new environment. How'd you go about moving up in work?
0: Well, I was I started the podcast about 5 years ago while I was still working in a place. And for those that are that are figuring things out right now, I think it's best to st- Start your side hustle while you have income coming in. You know, you can get up an hour earlier, you go to go to bed an hour later. But the beginning of the podcast for me was just trying it out. You know, I, I started off just talking to myself. And like most people, you're like, no one's going to listen to this. And you get these haters out there. They're like, oh, what are you doing? You're just wasting your time, man. No one's going to listen to you, you big dummy. You know, <laughs> you get all these people talking. But you just stick to it. You you go on YouTube, you listen to other people, you check out other creators, you go on LinkedIn and you listen to the people that are doing it and you develop your own style. And so for me, I started off um, doing like a YouTube channel for maybe like a year or so. I started off uh, taking a lot of reused content and using that in my channel and trying to use that to get shorts and views. And after a while, my solo, sort of my solo rants moved into finding people that would come and talk to me. And at first it was a few friends. And then all of a sudden I started getting fairly decent at it. And I had a few uh, podcast agents reach out to me. And they were really good ones. They were people that were representing authors from Ivy League schools. And I started making a few connections, a few connections with professors here, a few connections with professors there. Then they would refer their friend to me. And it's it's an organic sort of word of mouth Thing that just happens around you. I like to think that it kind of develops inside of you, and and you kind of just be the change that you want to see in the world, and it, it just kind of unfolds in front of you. It's, it's it's really strange how it happens. It's and it comes back to having the courage to do it. The more you do it, and the more you believe in yourself, the more people will begin believing in you, and it kind of is that snowball effect. And you know, five years later, I got four hundred and eighty something episodes, and I have a lot of incredible individuals that. Are that are that wanna talk to me. And I I think the thing for podcasting is that when you sit down with somebody, it's like you get to learn from this master. Everybody that comes on your show has this unique experience and they have this thing to teach you. So for me, it's like I get to sit in front of amazing people and get like an hour lecture from someone I'm excited to talk to. And I, I want that to shine through. I wanna show the audience and the world, hey, look at this person I'm talking to. Let me show you why they're so amazing. Wow. How often do you podcast? I do I shoot for five podcasts a week. Sometimes I can do eight. Sometimes I do three, but I try to go for at least five.
1: Wow, five episodes a week. That's like podcasting on super hard mode. I love it. I want it to be successful. And
0: I and it's you know, they they say if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. And I love it. It's really fun. And I want to get better at it. And I want to provide for people and and in doing so provide for myself and the audience. And I, I think it's the I think that you, me and so many people listening to this, this whole creator economy that is emerging, like we are the leading edge of it. It's like really exciting for everybody listening. If you're listening to this right now, you are the leading edge of the creator economy. You're building something right now that generations will follow. You're leaving these little breadcrumbs for people to follow. And if
1: you think about it like that, it's exciting, it's fun. That's amazing. So you're at your job and you're moving up. So what were the big milestones you had obviously a 26-year career at UPS. What were the big milestones in your career? So the first milestone is, hey, I I worked some time and I transferred to Hawaii. Next milestone is you're getting used to Hawaii. What was the next milestone after that? So this is where like a
0: profound change
1: began to happen in me. And I talked about
0: the way in which Hawaii kind of changed me and made me more humble and changed my relationship to the way I see myself. And in changing the way I saw myself and my relationships, I began changing the way I saw what I was doing. Part of me really began to have resentment for the structure in which I was contained in. And what I mean by that is I worked for UPS for 26 years. And I think that UPS is a great model for the corporate idea of what work should be. And for me, it became more and more contentious. I I can't speak to the rest of corporate world, but I can speak to the world of UPS and what it was like from my experience. It really changed. Like All of a sudden, in the last 10 or 15 years, the corporate model became so driven by productivity that they no longer cared about the actual employee. They became numbers. When we go to war, the first thing that happens is you dehumanize the other people. And in some ways, I think the corporate world, the board of directors, CEOs— They want to dehumanize their employees. They want to see them as numbers because it's much easier to get rid of 774 than it is to get rid of George, whose child just died last Thursday and isn't performing well. If I can see you as a number, I can take away all the humanity and I can look at you as a piece of garbage. All you are is a number. You don't mean anything. And like that sort of corporate mentality really began affecting me. At UPS, I saw accidents and injuries being swept under the rug. I saw good people... That we're doing things wrong and getting promoted, and I couldn't take it, so I started speaking out about it. I started off small. I started going and 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 finding the immediate managers and asking them, like, you know, what's going on here is wrong, and you're a smart person. Do you think it's okay that you're hiding this accident and injury after this guy's got a bad knee? Do you think that's a I think that's okay? And th- you know, the answers I got were so disturbing. They were like, "Well, I'm trying to run a business. Well, you know what, George." It's not okay, but this is how it is. That happened for a few years until I got to this point where I saw really good people, myself included. I went into the meeting, I got injured, and they said, hey, look, let's not report this, George. Why don't you be a team player? And that, to me, was the catalyst, the straw that broke the camel's back. At that point in time, I decided, you know what? I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm gonna I was so tired of seeing people defeated. And I, 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 thought, I started thinking to myself, why is no one standing up? Why? And then I thought why am I not standing up? And so I made the choice. I go, you know what? If I want to inspire people, if I want to do what's right, then I have to set an example. And that's what I did. I started standing up. And and the next milestone was at my work. And this this is probably similar for a lot of people in corporate America is that they devise a sort of set of parameters that establish how productive you are. And we had this set of numbers and they said they, they would every day you would come in and you would be scored by this, by this Pythagorean theorem. A squared plus B squared is C squared. So this your C squared. And it got to the point where they were like, George, you're not very productive. Look at your numbers. And I go, okay, well, let's look at these numbers. So they said, okay, you know, your your stops per hour plus your miles equal your productivity. And I go, okay, so A plus B equals C. And they go, yes. I go, so what you're telling me is that if we count the variables. Then we get the equation correct, and they go, "Yeah." I go, "Okay. What about all these other variables? You guys aren't accounting for the weight of the package, the weather conditions, the road conditions, the customer's temperament, my temperament. There's all these other variables that you guys are failing to account for. So how can it be that if you don't account for the variables, that you're going to get a proper equation?" And the guy just looked at me like, "You know what, George? Uh, he didn't have an answer. You know. And so he goes, "Why don't you know? Why don't you go tell you? Why don't you go tell my boss that?" And I'm like, let's go talk to him. And so I told my immediate manager and I went and every time I found a way to make the argument a little bit better, a little bit smoother, I tried to take the emotion out of it. And I've tried to come from a really logical point. And I started telling them, that this is, this is mathematics. This is a mathematical truth. You're a smart person. You know this is wrong. You're the leader. Do you know the difference between a leader and a manager? A leader does the right thing. Managers do things right. Which one are you? How can you be a leader? How can you expect your people to do what's right when you won't do what's right? And I got all the way up to the district manager. And I had four managers in there, my union guy. Oh, you would have been so proud of me. I delivered this Beautiful
1: speech. It's amazing what you're delivering right now. I'm like, this guy really knows how to do it. You can't argue with this. Like, I'm giving you this formula. I'm laying it out. You're a smart person. And it's like, (laughs) they have to keep moving it up. They have to, man.
0: And here is the beauty. Like, This is the beauty and the tragedy of life where you give up everything and nothing all at once. I get to the district manager and I lay out this eloquent argument and they sit there dumbfounded. And that's when I learned. The next day I was fired and that's when I learned it's not a bug, it's a feature and they knew it and I pointed it out to them and there's nothing they could do about it. And then I was fired. I was a union guy. So I in, I go to my union, I get fired and they they trumped up some BS charges like, oh, you're dishonest. And they just They just made it up. Like I wasn't dishonest about anything. I challenged it and they're like, yeah, well, we're going to fire you for dishonesty anyway. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I go to my union, and here's here's another kicker for everybody. I go to my union that I pay union dues to, and we sit down, and they go, "You know what, George? First off, that was a brilliant move, man. Great job. Now, if you want your job back, we suggest that you crawl back there. You apologize to them. You tell them you wasted your time. Blame it on your family. Tell them you and your wife are having problems. Tell them your kids a mess. Just go back in there, throw yourself at the mercy of them, and tell them that you're really sorry. You wasted their time. You'll never do it again. And I sat there like. I remember I just sat there quiet for a minute and I go, I can't, I can't do that. They're like, why not? I'm like, what do you mean why not? That's not true. I'm not going to blame it on my wife. I'm not going to blame it on my kid. Screw those guys, man. They burned me. They knew it. I showed them they were wrong and they're burning everybody in that building. I'm not going to do that. And they're like, listen, George, you got to swallow your pride. Now, these are the guys I pay to protect me. I'm like, swallow my pride, man. There's a difference between pride and integrity. My mom and my dad would punch me in the face if I went back and apologized to those people. My wife would divorce me. My, my wife didn't marry a big baby. My wife married a man. And you know, here's where it gets tricky because that was a hundred grand a year. You know, and it's so difficult to be like, okay, I'm going to walk away from that. That job is there if I go back and apologize. You know what I'm going to I'm going to take a second on my house. I'm going to not know how I'm going to pay my kids tuition. I'm going to not know how I'm going to bring in income. I'm going to not know how I'm going to pay my bills, bring in food. I'm gonna lose my job as a, I'm gonna lose part of my identity as a man, as a provider. It's gonna change my relationship. It's really, really hard. But I honestly believe with my whole heart that everybody, if you begin standing up and if you want the world to change, you gotta be that change, man. You have to stand up and take the slings and arrows so that other people can see how it's done. The world is devoid of leaders and heroes and beautiful people only because we don't have the courage to stand up. But the truth is inside every one of you, man, there's a, there's a beautiful hero, authentic leader waiting to explore. Explode with creativity and make the world better. I promise you, if you harness that energy, if you just believe a little bit, that little spark of creativity will grow to be the monster under your bed and it will eat people alive.
1: <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. So now you're at a new phase in your life. You're no longer working and you have to think of something, the next step. How yeah. did your family take it?
0: It's hard. You know, It. I. luckily… There's two things that happen here for people. In times of crisis, whether you lose your job, whether you have a child that dies or something, crisis either drive your relationships together or they drive them apart. And this is where communication is key. Like you have to be vulnerable. You have to be honest and you have to trust the people in your life. My wife and I, this brought us together in so many ways. I'm not going to lie. There's been some knockdown, drag out fights. You know, you sit down and you, ah, da, 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 da. but the truth is what you're really arguing about is your fears. You're both scared. You're both faced with uncertainty. And the one thing that brings you together in the face of uncertainty and fear is your love and respect and trust for each other. And if you can embrace that, you're bulletproof. I'm not saying you look, you have to embrace the, you could lose. But here's the thing, what can you lose? You could lose your house, you could lose your money, but you still got each other. And that's what people must remember and when it comes to relationships, if you don't have each other, you don't have anything. So many people get divorced. So many people lose everything when they're they're going for their goals, especially entrepreneurs. If you look at the world of high-level people, they've probably been divorced two or three times. It's because on some level, you can't serve two masters. You can't chase this dream of becoming a multi-millionaire and, and neglect your family. Like, look at some of the greatest leaders out there. Like, they have 10 kids from seven different wives. Like, on some level, the people that achieve the highest level of building entrepreneurship have given up everything. So there's a balance. And it's a very delicate balance, like walking a tightrope. You must create time for your family. You must have boundaries. And that means you probably won't be the billionaire. But how much money do you need? How much do you really need? You need this dream of yours to pay for a lifestyle that's worth living for you and your family. You don't need to have millions, maybe 100,000, maybe 200,000, maybe 75,000. I don't know, how, however much your mortgage is. Like, that's enough. That's enough, and I I think that this is something that the creator economy should focus on. Don't focus on financial freedom for 25 generations. Focus on building a life that's good for you and your family that will provide enough for you because your time is your greatest asset. So when I left there, it was very difficult for my relationships. It's still difficult for my relationships. I'm figuring out that balance now, and on some level, I think you'll always be trying to figure out that balance. Once you leave the nest of comfortness, once you leave the nest and you're, you quit being fed by somebody, it's on you and you have to walk the balance. You have to be the hunter. You have to be the nurturer. You have to be everything, but it's rewarding. And every single person out there listening to this can do it. Every one of you listening to this can do it and it's rewarding and you should try to do it because you deserve it. You get one shot at life. And I promise you, the rewards that come from believing in yourself and having a family and people that believe in you, there's nothing like it. We're here to create. All of us have the spark of creation inside us. We're here to create. And I want to inspire people to do that. Whether you're starting, if you're working right now, start creating things. It's contagious. It'll build inside of you. Your relationships will get better. So yeah, it's it's tricky. I don't know if that answered that.
1: No, it does. It does because (laughs) it's such a fine line right? You have to make time for your friends. You have to make time for make money. And even within the business, you have to focus on making money, but you also have to focus on building something for the future. And sometimes you need to pay the bills today. So it's about finding that balance where you're making time to make money next week, next month, next year, and then building for the longevity of the business. Now, you said you didn't make money for six months. How did you start making money? So I didn't make money for like the first five years. You know, like
0: when I talk about the six months that I'm referring to the six months where I was fired, you know, like the last six months. And only recently did I start beginning to, to make some, to generate some revenue. And here's how I did it. And I want other people that are creators or podcasters to understand this. I think that we're moving into a peer to peer economy for people on the LinkedIn community or the people watching your show are probably two or three years ahead of the entire rest of the world. But this peer to peer economy that's emerging is going to be the idea that creators pay creators and we're all creators. If you look at like YouTube or Facebook or all these giant models, you know, stop chasing views, stop chasing subscribers and start chasing individuals for me in the podcast. I'll actively seek out people that I think are fascinating and interesting and I'll ask them to come on and I will create, I go, I I try to do something different. I think that's a good part to begin. If whatever model it is, whether you're podcasting or whether you're an entrepreneur or you're branding, whatever model you're doing, do something different and then create a product and a service around it. For me, the podcast is a product and a service. So if you come on my podcast, I'm going to create like the sickest intro you've ever seen. I'm going to create like a digital business card slash 60 style poster. That's like this giant promo blow up for you. And I'm going to try to make it address to like the research that I've done on. you. Oh, you like this? Okay, I'm going to put this in there. I'm going to read the, I'm going to listen to your interviews. I'm going to read the bios. If you've written a book, I'm going to read that. And then I'm going to put it together and condense it down like a one, two minute promo. I'm going to create some, some thumbnails And then at the end of our podcast, I'm going to give you that promo. I'm going to give you that thumbnail. I'm going to give you the raw MP3, the raw MP4, all the rights to the information. I'm going to give it all to you. And in return, I'm going to ask you to donate to me. Hey, please give me what you think this is worth. And you know what? A lot of people don't have cash right now. It's tough times. So there's five different ways that you can do it for free. You can refer a friend. You can go on your socials and blow up the True Life podcast. You can go on LinkedIn and give me a referral. You know, you can endorse me. You can, there's all these free ways you can do it. But it's imperative in the creator economy that we give back to each other because that's a form of currency. Now we're looking back at relationships as currency. And there are people out there like I people will pay you. People that have, people that are creators, people that are entrepreneurs, they understand what you're doing. This person did something for me, I'm gonna give to them. Hey, right now I can't give them money, but I can give them some free branding. Hey, I can trade work for work. And so that is where I have been over like the last, just the last few months. I have turned this operation from a labor of love and all my hard work has begun to start to pay off because I figured out, hey, this is a, this is a vehicle. This is a product. It's a service. You know, recently I figured out, you know what? I have 478 episodes. What, you know what I can do? I can offer my friend who just wrote a book. I can, I can go back and put an ad in all 478 episodes. I could do a pre-roll and a mid-roll. Hey, give me 500 bucks and I'll pre-roll, mid-roll, and put your link in the show notes in all 478 episodes for a week. Let's see what happens, you know? And and it didn't even dawn on me until the pressure was put on me to start making money. I was like, wait a minute, I have this vehicle. Why am I not using it? Like, you know, they they say that the average, some of the podcast speeches I was doing is that big sort of um, people will pay, uh, like big advertisers will pay 500 bucks for a spot on a podcast that has like 30,000 downloads for one spot. But what if you have say 10,000 downloads? Like, why why wouldn't someone pay 500 bucks for a spot in 478 episodes? Like, we on the front line, we're changing the game right now. We're writing the rules. And so, it's an exciting time. Everybody out there creating right now, there's novel ways to create and add revenue. And also, sponsor the local creators. Find the guy that's a self-published author, get him to sponsor your podcast, and under promise and over deliver. I'm going to put you in 500 podcast episodes every day for a week. Let's sponsor each other. Let's get the creators creating for creators.
1: I, I love that. So now <laughs> let's throughout your career, have you ever felt insecure about not having a degree? And why didn't you go to college? Yeah, this is a great one. So, you know, over the last five years,
0: as I built, as I built like this, a brand, I would I probably applied for a hundred jobs last week. Google, you know, all these storyteller jobs, all these like communication jobs. I'm like, I could do all of this. I start reading the bios and I'm like, I'd be perfect for this. And I think so many of us that don't have a degree read some of these bios and you're like, how do you get a job like that? Like, I would be perfect for that. And so I am insecure about that. But it's because society makes you insecure like that. Like that's the way the system is set up. The system is set up To keep people in certain positions. Imagine if we were all had free flowing creativity and a free flow of information. Who's going to work in the factories? You know, who's going to do these low level jobs if we don't keep people at the bottom? So school, you know, the, the hundred thousand dollar, you know, grant or the hundred thousand dollar debt you have to go into to get school is sort of like indentured servitude. You're only going to get a job up here at one of these peer companies if you have paid your tuition of $200,000 or $100,000. If you're in debt, maybe you get a job up there. So the insecurity, it's not a bug, it's a feature, and it's meant to keep you down. But it's just a mindset. So yeah, I have felt that. And I want to believe anybody that feels insecure about not having a degree, please stop feeling insecure about that. You're just as good as everybody out there. In fact, you're probably better because you're self-taught. Someone who goes to school and learns from another person who knew a guy who had a friend who did the actual thing. What is that? You know, you know who is awesome is the hackers, the people that go out there and find ways to create novel ideas the people that start their companies from the ground up, the people that start in a garage, the tinkerers, these are the real visionaries. These are the people that took the idea of insecurity and built a Fortune 500 company on top of it. So insecurity is the fire that you need to build the brand that you want to be. I never went to college. I I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And it just seemed like such a waste of time to me. I didn't have tons of money. And I was just... I went to community college for like a year and a half and it just seemed like so soul-sucking. Like I would sit in this class and be like, oh, I don't understand like what this person is trying to teach me. It's so boring. Like, well, I don't get it. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, and it just, life experience to me is a much more rewarding path. And I think for people, if you have a choice to go to school or travel, I think you should travel. You know, life experience, taking the bull by the horns and taking risks as a young person is a much better form of education than sitting in a classroom, in my opinion. So that's why I didn't go to school. And I, it's kind of my no degree sort of philosophy.
1: What would you say you're most proud of throughout your career?
0: I think the thing I'm most proud of is being able to see the best in other people. You know, when times get tough, It's really easy to go into the depths of depression, or some people find themselves in an anxiety loop. But if you can just see the beauty a little bit, go outside and go for a walk, check out the way that this particular flower blooms at a 45-degree angle on August 7th. Like There is a plan, and I don't know how to describe it, but you can see it. Nature reveals the truth, and I think that that truth is that the world is beautiful and that There's a plan out there for you. And if you believe that, if you believe wholeheartedly that the world is meaningful and that you're meaningful, it will help you pull through the dark times of despair. And so I, I think seeing the beauty in other people is a great way to do it, you know? One thing I've learned, and I think this is a great tool people can use, is that whenever you get really mad at somebody... You ever like have that person, just really annoyed. I'm like, this person really bothers me. I hate this person. This person, I don't like them. What that person is showing you is what you hate about yourself. So anytime you see people out in the world that are a mirror to you, if someone is really making you mad or agitated, ask yourself, what is it about that person that's making you upset? And the chances are that's something you dislike about yourself. And you should be, that's it's a great way to thank that person. It's a great way to see the beauty in that person because that person is teaching you what you need to work on. And like, that's been the gift for me. It's, it wasn't easy to get there. You know, it's like, whenever you, see, whenever you see these things about people that bother you or something in the world that bothers you or something that's on your mind, that's the world telling you what you have to work on. And if you can understand that lesson, it'll become a beautiful thing that you can become proud of and it'll help be catalyst to make you move forward in life.
1: Now, this is gonna be a little different. Okay. You see 18-year-old George walking across the street. What do you tell him? go harder, go harder, you big baby.
0: (laughs) You're a big baby. You're not even trying. I failed a lot and I made a lot of dumb mistakes and I ruined a lot of relationships. But the answer to the question, is that necessary? The answer to that question is, yeah, it's essential. All of it, all the dumb moves, all the dumb mistakes, all the bravado, all the silliness, the deeper you fall, the deeper you go into despair, the better the story about climbing out. You know, in all the mythologies, whether it's the Homeric verses or Star Wars, there's this character arc of someone who is on their path and they fall and they fall hard. And the human spirit is something that loves a great comeback story all of us love to see that person that doesn't deserve to be there rise to the top. You know, we all have this thing about us. where, like, hey, when someone from our side of the tracks makes it, we can all we can all be stoked on it. You know, we all get to win when one of us makes it. And that person that fell down at the bottom, the person that had no chance, man, isn't it bittersweet when that person comes up and they get the belt, when that person rises to the top and you're like, look where they came from, man. That guy had no chance. He came back. Everybody loves a long shot, man. So I would tell myself, look, go harder. Don't be afraid to be the person that falls down deep in despair. Because guess what? That means that you have the opportunity to be the greatest comeback story in the history of mankind and the world will embrace you.
1: I love it. That 18-year-old hes going to be successful <laughs> a few years after hearing that. So anything you want to share with the audience? Like, what, do you want to promote? What's the name of your podcast? How would people find you, support you? Yeah, uh, the True Life Podcast.
0: Um, I try to be a creator for creators. Um, reach out to me. You want to come on the True Life Podcast? I would love to talk to you. I would love to amplify unique views, unique messages. I want to be the leading edge of the creator economy, and I want to have a different type of platform where you know we can discuss parallel economies. I want to be the leading edge and and help people with visions come together with other people. I think that we can start sort of a creator network. Like, and I already see it happening on LinkedIn. I wanna be part of everyone's dream. The way I see it is like, I'm so thankful for everybody who will play, allow me to play a small part in their dream. And I love with all of my heart, those who will play a part in my dream. Like, let's create a better world together. The world is dying around us. We're, we're witnessing the death of a generation, unrealized dreams of, of the boomer generation. So many older people in positions of authority and their dying ideas. What we're seeing is the decay of society. And it's up to us, the people with visions, the people that wanna move the ball forward, the people that have a dream. It's up to us as the dreamers to create the future for the next generation. And that's what I'm doing over here. It's fun. It's successful. And I've got tons of tips and tricks, and I've built a cool network. And if you want to be plugged into it, just reach out to me, man. I'm plugging people in left and right. And the more of us that come together, the more beautiful our dream is. So check out the True Life podcast. Reach out to me. Come on the podcast. If you have any ideas, if you want to be part of it, let me know. And check out the No Degree podcast. This gentleman right here is an amazing individual. You can check out all his stuff. I, I find your content to be beautiful and I'm hopeful that I get to get you on my podcast and I can pick your brain a little bit because these are beautiful questions and uh, I'm so thankful for what you do. It's a beautiful set that you got going on here. You have an incredible audience that's so beautiful and respectful and they're blowing things up and I love what you're doing by helping people like me without a degree understand how to navigate this world and it needs it more than ever right now. So thank you for what you're doing.
1: Thank you. This was such a great episode and yes, I look forward, let me know and I'll make sure I show up all full glory and you'll be able to put my brain as much as you want so thank you so much for your time George this was such an amazing episode aloha thank you another great episode thank you for listening hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot stay tuned for the next episode this show is sponsored by you no degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias if you think the show is worth a dollar or two please check out our patreon page any amount is appreciated, and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree, If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com.